We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Dean here at Dean 7804. If you want to get all technical on me, it is three o'clock on the East Coast. It's noon on the West Coast. But of course, that means it's time for Yahoo DFS Live presented by Roto-Grinders for the world of Yahoo and Roto-Grinders merges. We always bring together two of the brightest minds over there at Yahoo. And uh, that's uh, no exception today. Bringing in uh, first, leading off, batting first for us is uh, Dalton Del Don. Dalton, uh, one of the greatest names in all in all of, uh, fantasy sports. I love it. I still believe it's made up. How's uh, Thursday treating you? Doing pretty well. Thanks for having me, Dean. Uh, overall thoughts as far as this slate? We got a bunch of bye games. Uh, the Thursday night game, it's kind of a I – mean, I've been waiting for the Thursday night stinker. I've been waiting for it. This feels like it. It feels like this is a great spot that's kind of loads up, load up on Thursday night games and just don't play anybody, maybe outside of like a defense. Is that kind of your thought as well? Yeah, I'm still uh, still fired up from last night's World Series game. I made a futures bet on the uh, Astros before the season, so I'm suddenly a huge Houston fan. As a San Francisco Giants fan, I'm already rooting against the Dodgers. So, so I'm still kind of recovering from last night. Nearly had a, multiple heart attacks. Great game. And now a follow-up this, yes, what looks like on paper, a pretty pretty boring football game tonight. Uh, the over-under is 38 points, I believe. 
uh, Joe Flacco hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in 150 <laughs> attempts until the final play of last game. So this is going to be ugly and not a lot of fantasy goodness to go around. So, you know, it's football. It's a standalone game. So, of course, I'm going to waste three and a half hours of my life and watch it. But yeah, <laughs> I'm not, don't have too many high hopes. You're not going to feel good about it. You feel a little dirty about it. I, uh, I think America's rooting for Houston. I'm rooting for Houston as well. And that was an amazing game last night. Uh, what did you get him at out of curiosity? And did you hedge? 15 to one. And I hedged a little, it's not as easy because the Dodgers were favored. So I'm going to break even at worst, but let's, but, but yeah, 15 to one. And I bet a decent amount, at least for me. So I have plenty of incentive to, uh, to root for the Astros. That was a huge game, obviously a big difference between going down. Oh, two when you're, when you don't have home, home, home field. So you know, should have a series, although you now game three. Daughters are a great team, far superior bullpen. They're still the favorites, but uh, at least we have a series. These are these are the two best teams in baseball. Yeah, it should be an awesome series. Scott, uh, oh, sure, give us your thoughts as far as the baseball game last night, assuming you watched it. And uh, the game tonight, Miami versus Baltimore. <laughs> uh, will you be watching the Dolphins and the Ravens? How much do you hate yourself? Well, I'll get to the football in a second. Just to put a bow on this World Series, I thought that was the best World Series game that didn't involve a team on the edge of elimination. So take away a game six or a game seven, just the stakes are raised. And there's been some classic game sixes, game sevens, probably the best game two I could ever remember. And, you know, all the lead changes, which makes sports exciting. You know, Ken Lee Jansen had been such an automatic guy at the end of a game. And then, and then the Astros don't win, even though they take the lead. In the I think it's the tenth inning. I mean, I've, I've lost track of all the ebb and flow to this game. So I, I think it's on the short list of greatest World Series games ever. It doesn't touch Game Six and '75, or maybe the Kirby Puckett game, or you know, 2001 Game Seven. But uh, what a classic! And I hope the Astros win just so Dalton can get some artwork in his office. I just hate to see those bare walls. So um, you know, maybe he'll he'll put up a, a Kevin Durant poster if the Astros take it down. As far as the as far as the NFL slate, you know, it's not a great game tonight, although I do have a hot take on it later. But I think this is a really good watching slate as far as we have a, a London game, which gives us an easy early game to watch. It's not the greatest game in the world, but it's, you know, it gives us more to the slate. The late schedule games on Sunday are really good. We have a couple of really good games at Dallas-Washington game. Houston-Seattle look terrific. I think Detroit-Pittsburgh is an interesting game, and I, and I think the Kansas City-Denver game on Monday night is interesting too. So even if we don't get something exciting tonight or we don't get a lot of points, it's the lowest over under on the schedule. I think we're going to get paid back later. I know there's six teams on by actually next week. I think there's more fantasy juice on by. So, so buckle up. It could be a couple of tough weeks, but I think from a viewer's guide and hopefully from a fantasy's guide, it's going to be a fun week. All right. We're going to take a look at week eight in just a second. Let's just look back on week seven. Uh, we always, we have our contest, the Yahoo guys, the roller grinders guys are all in the same contest every single week. We're building a lineup and, uh, we're battling it out. It's kind of a season-long contest, but it's week-to-week, if that makes sense. Uh, Scott, tell me, uh, take me through your thought process as far as your team and kind of hit on some of the guys you hit on and hit on like, some of the guys you possibly missed. Yeah, well, there weren't a lot of hits to, to talk about. I, I had McCoy <laughs> and Bell, but I, I think just about everybody did. I mean, McCoy's positive regression was a pretty easy call. You talked about that Joe Flacco touchdown on the last play of the game. Yeah, it came against the Minnesota defense. Well, what a garbage Mm-hmm. Score that was. They don't score the whole game. I thought Brett Hundley at 20 bucks was too good to say no to. And even though he runs in a touchdown, he really had a disappointing game. And I also talked myself into somebody I almost never play, Alshon Jeffrey. I, th- I thought Philadelphia was in a really good spot. Turns out Wentz has a huge game, but Jeffrey can't hold a, a pass in the end zone. And we're still waiting for that big mm-hmm. Alshon Jeffrey game. So another forgettable week for me. Uh, you know, the hits I have were, I felt like people who everybody hit on them and, and the guys I missed on, uh, you know, Hundley notably among them. I played Jordan Howard just because I thought the volume would be so good. They scored twice on defense. 
not, not that Howard was going to have a huge game anyway, but I, I liked that he was a 20-plus carry guy. So I didn't play Ezekiel Elliott. That was a big mistake. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm just letting my personal feelings on the Elliott case seep into fantasy. Always a big mistake. We don't want these guys to date our daughters. We just want the points from them. But uh, a, a very mediocre, embarrassing, shameful 11th place finish. Uh, if, if I come in 11th again, I think I'm going to be wearing a bag over my head the next time. <laughs> I, I finished in 13th because, uh, well, the main reason was uh, because I, I didn't realize I, didn't, I, I had the wrong team. I had no team in there. Just a bunch of guys are backloaded. I forgot to export. And I just ended up with a bunch of guys in the, uh, the Patriots Atlanta game, which I thought would, hey, that should, like, that's not a terrible idea. Stack that up, I suppose. And uh, some Philadelphia pieces as well. And it just didn't work out for me. My team was kind of a disaster. Dalton, you did play uh, Ezekiel Elliott. He got you, what, 40-plus points, uh, one touchdown away from having an out Bundy game. He just went absolutely nuts there. Uh, what are your thoughts as far as uh, your team last week? Yeah, I bunched up Le'Veon Bell, Elliott, and Julio, and that that was fine. But the problem is my, my cheap guys not only missed, but they were disasters. I also bought into Brett Hundley. Uh, that was a nice touchdown run. I like how he didn't go out of bounds and scored on that, but just a joke passing-wise. George Kittle, I liked. You know, the whole C.J. Beathard <laughs> narrative. Uh, he went from – getting targeted a lot to his old college quarterback, ignoring him. And that was kind of unexpected. I, I, I shifted Saturday night to Chris Ivory once the Fournette news came out. And you know, he scored the early touchdown, but TJ Yeldon badly outplayed him. Um, it looks like Ivory might not even be the handcuff or the backup to own there in Jacksonville moving forward. That didn't work out well. Um, and the other big miss I had was Eric Decker. Uh, he, he had coming off his best game of the season. Cleveland uh, really in terrible secondary, missing its best cover corner. And the guy put up a goose egg. So uh, my my stars and scrubs strategy, stars came through, scrubs were beyond scrubs. So finished middle of the pack. Yeah, I had some Decker around the industry. It didn't work out well for me. I mean, we had the same amount of catches as Decker did. It was just pretty yeah. much a disaster. But uh, that was week seven. Let's forget it. Bust out the old men in black wand. Did not happen. The mind eraser. Week eight. Let's talk about some players that uh, we want to pay up for, that are worth paying up for. Scott, who do you have for me? You know, I, I feel like the price hasn't corrected our Mark Ingram yet. He's just 22 bucks in Yahoo DFS. Chicago's probably a medium matchup, but Ingram is at home as a nice favorite. We know how that correlates to fantasy production. Ingram has been fantasy's number one running back since they got Peterson out of town. Tidies up the usage. I mean, they're going to use Kamara some too, but finally it seems like Sean Payton is pushing his chips in the middle on Mark Ingram. We've wanted this for several years. We finally have it. Big favorite at home. Again, the matchup could be a little bit better, but, I mean, you would think New Orleans would be playing from a lead. Ingram is very safe volume. He's finally getting work at the goal line. And even though I think the Yahoo pricing is really good and competitive and, and hard to negotiate most weeks, I just don't think the Ingram price has adjusted yet. At $22, I think you're getting tremendous savings. He doesn't do much need to do much to hit his value, and he offers you the potential for a two-touchdown, 160-yard game. So, uh, to me, Mark Ingram is a very easy play. Yeah, we, we uh, record this on Thursday afternoon, like, but, and you know, things can change. But what, he's number 10 as far as the actual pricing for running backs. Uh, I agree. He's probably $10 too cheap. He seems like an absolute cash game lock. Uh, what about Kamara and GPPs as, as a pivot? Sure. I mean, he's got the potential to, to catch a pass and take it to the house, and you like that. And if the Bears were ever to get ahead, I mean, maybe they could tilt more to Kamara. Now that they only have two primary backs, it used to be, that when a team had two backs, we all got nervous. Oh, it's a committee. You got to stay away from that team. I mean, now almost everybody uses two running backs. It's not a big deal. You worry when teams go three or four deep, like Seattle, like New England. But with New Orleans only using two guys, I think Kamara is a really safe play for seasonal. And I think he's an intrigue. I, again, I wouldn't play him in cash, but I, I think he makes a lot of sense for GPP on that speedy home turf. 
What about the uh, the rest of the offense while we're here? Uh, you know, they're, they're projected to score 28 points, New Orleans. Uh, as of right now, Michael Thomas, he didn't practice on Wednesday. It's a knee. Uh, they basically, you know, coach said uh, it's not that big of a deal. I don't know what that means. It's not that serious. Does that mean he's going to miss one week? He's not going to miss any week? I have no idea. Again, it's on Thursday. Uh, do we trust Thomas if he's out there? And if Thomas doesn't play for whatever reason, like does Coleman become an interesting dart? Obviously, Ginn is interesting and Steed should get in the field this week. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, Steve kind of is frustrating because he hasn't, you know, he had the suspension, then he had the hamstring, hasn't been playing much. Coleman, I think, is a nice, if you're going to punt, I mean, he's got three touchdowns on, on just 12 catches, 18 targets. He's six foot six. So he's basically tight end size. He's getting like 35% of their red zone targets. Seems like Fleener has played his way out of favor with the team in part because they're running the ball so much. I think Coleman's an interesting guy. I can't trust Thomas because he's hurt. I can't trust Sneed because he hasn't done anything. And the weird thing with Ginn is that you, you thought of him as a deep threat. They're actually using yeah. him on very short depth of target, which is unusual. Um, so I think I'm going to probably avoid the passing game. I could talk myself into Coleman maybe here or there. I got to check on his price. I assume it's it's probably close to the stone minimum because I think he's a good chance at a touchdown. But otherwise, I'm more interested in the running backs this week. All right, Dalton Jimon here. Give your thoughts as far as New Orleans, Ingram, anybody else you want to talk about and give us the guy you want to pay up for. I totally agree about Ingram. That, that price is too cheap. He's a – a clear he's like going to be a top eight fantasy running back for me down the stretch in season long leagues and this matchup is right I know the Bears have a pretty solid defense but game script here should just just scream in, in, in Ingram's favor uh the the Saints passing offense has not been as prolific as it has in the past their defense has not been his, historically bad in the past this is the wrong time I know the Bears want to play hide the quarterback but this is going to be difficult if they fall you know down 10-0 right away in, in New Orleans, uh, the setup here is for them to be playing largely with the lead. Ingram even catches passes, too, is a thing. Should be the clear goal line guy there. So I think he's a, a, an obvious start here, and especially at that price. I'm totally on board. He's good, too. It's not just a situation. He's a really good running back. I don't know why they haven't treated him as a feature back in the past. I mean, I know he's been deemed up here and there, but he's healthy now. And, and at that price, he, I, I agree with you now. It's, it's a no-brainer. I, I said to pay up for Le'Veon Bell. I, I know it's obvious, but the point I want to make here is just there are so few stars right now in the NFL. Uh, look at the wide receivers. They all have question marks. I mean, I guess Antonio Brown, but I, Bell has, what, 137 touches the last four games. I mean, that volume is just out of control. He's so good, so fun to watch. Uh, he's, he's, he's on the field every single down. I, I think it's just you're behind the eight ball if you don't pay up for him, in, in my opinion. Back in the day, yeah, there may have been, you might have been choosing between which superstar running back to use. Right now, he's just, to me, separating himself. Uh, so I, I think I, he, I'm willing to pay up for him in pretty much cash and GPP. What are your thoughts, Scott? Uh, Bell is $39. He's the most expensive, expensive running back on the board, but you can definitely make it work if you want to do so. Is it worth making it work? Yeah, yeah, I agree with Dalton. I mean, you're behind the eight ball if you don't play him. And the thing is, it's one thing for Pittsburgh to use him 15, 20, 22, 24 touches. I mean, they're giving him 30. 30 plus touch you know, once bell got in shape because he didn't do much that first week at cleveland didn't really look like himself in week two either but since he's gotten his sea legs they've just decided and this is no shocker i mean you know he was what the probably the number two consensus pick and drafts he may have got number one in some leagues but i don't think they really trust ben roethlisberger to steer this offense anymore and, and you know you're getting just such a high floor with bell and he has the if he clicks i mean he might get 200 plus total yards and multiple touchdowns i i agree you know the bottom line is if you, you, if you think there's enough value in the middle tiers and in the lower tiers at positions, I think you have to find a way to get Bell on your team. I agree with Dalton. And, what and about the other running backs? Oh, go ahead. 
especially on the road, I feel like Pittsburgh is is really changed their strategy, and they realize that Roethlisberger is turnover prone, and they've just scaled back the uh, the game plan, and, and that and that just uh, all the more they just focus on Bell. They just and plus with Martavis Bryant out of the mix, yeah. I mean they need somebody to pick up the slack, and their defense playing so well too. Mm-hmm. It's all about that juju. We're gonna talk about Juju Smith in a little bit. Obviously, there's a little teaser as far as that's who's gonna pick up the slack, right? Um, he found his bike. He's gonna find the end zone now. We shall see. As far as the guy that I am willing to pay up for, it's uh, A.J. Green. He places the Colts. The Colts are a disaster. They're terrible. Vontae Davis is lurking in that secondary, but he's, you know, I'm still not afraid of him. A.J. Green, he's matchup proof. Uh, the Colts are 30th as far as their ranking in DVOA versus the pass. They've allowed the second most passing yards per game this season. And uh, this was a reach rebar stat, which is pretty awesome. A.J. Green has accounted for 66.5% of Cincinnati's wide receiver yards, which just jumps off the page. It's like heaven, I don't know, Brandon LaFell or so. Uh, Scott, your top receiver this week. If money wasn't a thing, is it AJ Green? Is it? I know Antonio Brown. His floor is amazing too, and he's matchup proof. And whatever Slay, who cares? But uh, I just, I, I think I want Green more than him. Is that a mistake? I don't think so. I have Green ranked number one in seasonal, which I mean, it's almost a moot point because anybody in seasonal is going to play him. That nobody's yeah. coming to us for AJ Green reassurance. But AJ Green also has a home tent to his uh, career stats too. And Indianapolis's pass defense is a mess right now. I, you know, who knows? how healthy even their better guys are. I, I feel really confident that Green will score in this game. I also feel like Tyler Croft is a really nice play. He, he's getting – he's basically become 70 to 80% of Tyler Eifert and has a good chance to score a touchdown. So I think he's okay. But other than that, there's nobody to get in Green's way. I mean, the running backs, they, they're not playing their best guys. We're going to talk about Mixon a little bit later. Uh, obviously, the fell is, is not a factor. I mean, you look on the slate and you say, who do I feel – assured somebody's going to get 10 plus touches there's just not that many guys or 10 plus targets I should say there's not that many guys who fit that script but I feel like Green is one of those guys I like him at home I like him in a game against an opponent that has a glaring weakness in the secondary I'll be very surprised if he doesn't score this week Dalton yeah totally agree I mean the Colts have given up an NFL high 8.9 YPA second highest is 8.4 that might not seem like a lot but a half a yard per attempt is actually massive um, and I guess the one concern would be like, well, maybe the Bengals would just not have to throw the ball, blowing them out. You know, it's a 10-point spread. Their defense is playing well. But guess what? The reason they would be uh, going into a shell is because they might put up 30 points in the first half, and that would be because of A.J. Green. So, sure, no argument here. He's a, he's a, if he's not the number one fantasy wide receiver start this week, he's clear number two. He's 1B. I was just going to ask you about uh, Joe Mixon, but I realize he's your hot take. So let, let's save that. Let's save that. Let's tease the people because I'm curious what your thoughts on him as far as uh, – in that offense and what he did on social media and how, how coach reacted to it, uh, Marvin Lewis. But we'll see how that goes down. I'm curious to get your take because that really can go either way. Uh, those are guys we want to play. How about guys we don't want to play, Scott? Well, I'm going to go big or go home. I'm already at home, but uh, I'm not going to play Kareem Hunt against the Broncos. Their rushing defense has been excellent. They have not allowed a rushing touchdown to a running back all year. And also, when Kansas City gets in close, it's not like they automatically go to hunt. I mean, sometimes they throw the ball. Sometimes they, they run some you know, gimmicky Andy Reid play. Sometimes it's one of the lesser backs who gets the, the work shuttled in. I feel like Hunt's kind of come down a notch since that really fast start. He's still a good player. He still would be a first-round pick if we redrafted. But, I mean, people were saying he was the number one overall pick in fantasy not that long ago. Let's you know, pump the brakes on that a little bit. You know, I definitely think he, you know, he's not in the Bell class right now. He's not in the Ezekiel Elliott class, at least until Elliott you know, is off the field. I like Hunt as a player generally. And you know, if you drafted him, you're, you're loving him. But I, no way am I paying the freight I, with the matchup this daunting. And just with the Kansas City offense, you know, about different people. It's not just the Kareem Hunt show. I think he's a sucker play in week eight. 
that's what I was going to ask as far as contemporaries, as, the, uh, as far as the axing price this week. Uh, Hunt is $33. Elliot is $33. And then Melvin Gordon is $33. How would you rank those guys? Well, Gordon, you know, I think it's really interesting because the Patriots are so bad at covering backs out of the backfield. Gordon's not having a great year running the ball, but he's so versatile. He scores a lot of touchdowns. And, uh, you know, Hightower, the linebacker for the Patriots, is now lost for the season. New England's defense has been a little bit better the last few weeks. I don't know if the fog machine works during the day. It obviously <laughs> working last week against Atlanta. And, and of course, Steve Car- Sarkeesian, I mean, he's in his own fog with the play calling, man. I, I, how he doesn't use Coleman more and Freeman more and Julio Jones more, especially in the red area for Jones, I'll never understand. I feel like they left a ton of points on the field. But Gordon is, I bet, we, we talked about this a little bit before the show. I bet this is a week where Gordon gets like 30 or 35 rushing yards and like 80 or 90 receiving yards. I think he's an outstanding play. And I would rank him above, just a shade above Elliott. And then to me, Hunt is the clear number three. What are your thoughts on that, Dalton? If you can rank Gordon, Elliott, and Hunt, they're all the same price. Yeah, I have Elliott, Hunt, and then Gordon. But um, that the last two are close. I'm, I'm clearly playing Elliott over Hunt this week uh, for all the reasons that, that P&L mentioned. Zero rushing touchdowns on the year. The fewest yards per carry against. I mean, Denver's defense has not been as daunting as the past. And their offense is hurting them as well because the defense is having to play more snaps because of the ineptitude of Simeon and company. But still, it's a, it's a terrible matchup. So why why even pay that prod? Pay up for Bell. Certainly would use Elliott instead. And, I mean, Hunt's great start, you know, first player ever for 100 yards from scrimmage his first seven games. And on one hand, you love Andy Reid. He just produces whoever is a feature back in his system is great. But on the other hand, he's gone maddeningly these stretches without even Hunt touching the ball. So – um, I, I'm with you. You, you cannot spend, I mean, you don't, there's no need to spend up on Hunt this week. And, and I know part of the appeal, people love to have that last game, you know, wait for the Monday night. But I, yeah. I wouldn't fall for that. I, I, I just wouldn't. This is the week to avoid him. Who is your hard pass? My hard pass was DeAndre Hopkins. This seems kind of obvious. I mean, he's the third most expensive wide receiver on the board. Yeah, the volume will be there. But Seattle, I mean, they've allowed the fewest yards per attempt uh, in, in the league that's playing in Seattle. Deshaun Watts has been amazing. I get it coming off the bye. But this is an environment in which he's never seen before. And I just see no reason to pay up for that kind of price in such a difficult matchup. He's, he's not even top 12 on, on my wide receiver board this week. Well, uh, Scott, what are your thoughts? You always have some insight as far as Seattle's defense. That team overall, you seem to be, uh, you know, Wilson's Wells guys you always talk about. I feel like you have a take on this. Yeah. Um, you know, at home, daunting matchup, as Dalton said. I like the depth of the secondary. It's it's not just Sherman, who they usually park on an island. If Houston wants to be proactive and get Hopkins into the match if they want, they can do that. But the problem is Seattle's defense, secondary specifically, is so deep. It's it's a place it's very hard to play. It's very loud, obviously. Seattle's one of the few teams that still has a home field advantage. It's become pretty homogenized around the league, but Seattle – I still think that matters. Hopkins has put uh, as good as Watson has been. A lot of these stats have come in favorable matchups. This is not a favorable matchup. My feeling is, look, if you're going to pay up for a player, it's going to be somebody who you feel has an extremely, extremely safe and high floor because if they bust, it's just almost impossible to make up the ground. And because I don't feel like, I don't, I don't necessarily dislike Hopkins as much as Dalton does. I I will have him in my top 10 somewhere for seasonal. Of course, I think everybody who owns Hopkins is probably going to own him in seasonal. So the ranking is almost meaningless, but if I'm not sold on somebody in the 30 and up class, I'm just not going to pay for him. And I, I just think it's too much. You're, you're bucking a, a dangerous environment. You're bucking a really good secondary. It's a rookie quarterback in a spot that he hasn't been in before. Let, let's just find options that we want to play. Do you think Walt, uh, Watson kind of uh, falters here? They had, they had a bye week going in, but like you said, the 12th man is legit there in Seattle. And 
yeah, outside of Seattle, there's very few places where the home the home crowd is real, like KC, San Diego, or, or Los Angeles. <laughs> Those yeah, are Los Angeles. yeah, right. LA, yeah, the best home field advantage in the league is the road team at Los Angeles. But <laughs> um, I think if Watson is going to make his price this week, he's going to need to do it with his legs. Last I checked, I, I believe the road teams have a winning record this season. I know it was entering last week. It was. Wow. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, you're doing so great in the staff picks because you realize that the home teams were the road teams were dominating. Yeah. Let's not talk about staff picks this year. Not not great year against the spread so far. So uh, so my, uh, my my guy I'm fading is is Tom Brady. Go big or go home, like you said, right? He's the most expensive quarterback on the board, and look, I, he's perfectly fine. It's just I think there's some pretty good pivots below him. Wentz is three dollars cheaper. I think straight up, I'll take Wentz over Brady. Uh, look, he's. Just a little bit too expensive for me. Uh, San Diego is kind of the reverse funnel as far as uh, defensively. They're 27th DVOA versus the run, eighth versus the pass. I think, I think they're going to run the ball a little bit more this week. Um, I, I, I could see a, a fair amount of dump offs though to like you know the Whites, uh, you know Lewis of the world, those kind of guys. So that's certainly possible. Uh, you know you can get. What are your thoughts by the way? Tell me your thoughts on the, the cheap touchdown. Like I think Alex Smith has mastered this. Like the little pitch forward when the guys try. I mean, it's it's the most tilting in the thing in the world when it happens against you. But when you get it, like for your team, Dalton, it's like awesome, right? Yeah, I have cooks in a, in a few places last week, so that that was, <laughs> that was pretty nice. Yeah, it's it's so yeah the the shovel pass. It doesn't get any easier than that. But uh, I'm I'm with you by the way on Brady. Obviously, he's going to put up nice numbers, I'm sure. But the Chargers sneaky, really good against the pass. And why pay up for quarterback this, especially this week? I mean, what Kirk Cousins is eight dollars cheaper. Uh, Andy Dalton is $13 cheaper. You can go really cheap with Josh McCown in that matchup at home against the Falcons. I'm not paying up for quarterback, especially at $40 this week. Andy Dalton actually, I think, is in play at 27 bucks too, yeah, which, sure. I mean, like, I don't know if I've ever said that before, but uh, he's definitely on my radar. Scott, what are your – first of all, Scott, you know what I'm talking about as far as the tilt with that little that pitch nonsense. It's great when you get it, but when it's against you, it's just absurd. Uh, I, think, I feel like Andy Reid created that. I could be wrong on that. At least he maybe popularized it. And uh, are you? I know New England. That's your team. What are your thoughts as far as Brady? Are you paying up forty bucks for him? I'm definitely not paying up for Brady. By the way, if Joe Flacco tries that shovel pass uh, tonight, mm-hmm. I, I bet it falls to the ground incomplete. <laughs> it is, uh, you love it when it goes your way, or you know, when they. It's always tough when they throw that that quick pass to the receiver out in the. When they immediately throw it to him behind the line of scrimmage, and you're like, "Wow, is that a run? Is that a pass?" And you have to wait until you see how it's scored. Sometimes you have to wait to the stack corrections and that can be tilting as well. What, I mean, what's worse than losing on a stack correction? Um, Thursday's the day for that. But to me, the big New England question I'm passing on Brady is, is it time to completely dump Gillisley? I don't think anybody's playing him in DFS. I think he might be, I wouldn't proactively drop him in seasonal, but if you needed the spot and he was one of the guys you're considering, I would sign off on it. The usage keeps going down for Gillisley. The usage keeps going up. For Lewis, obviously, James White has a dedicated role in this offense. They finally got Burkhead back. So I, this, I, I mean, you have four back, backs in this team. It, it makes people nervous. But Gillisley still doesn't have a target on the season. He hasn't scored since week two. I've, I've completely moved on from that guy. It used to be that you could at least hang your hat on him being the goal line back and maybe even the clock killing back. But now he doesn't even have those roles to himself. I think it's time to move on from Gillisley in seasonal. He's not on my radar at all in DFS. I do think Lewis is interesting because they seem like they want him and more involved week in, week out. Oh, it's crazy. Three touchdowns week one, Gillespie. Looks like he's going to, you know, be uh, LeGarrette Blunt 2.0. Looks like uh, the over-under right then, honestly, I would have probably said 19 and a half touchdowns on the season and stays healthy seven weeks later. And I agree, he's droppable. Just crazy how things can change so quickly. Just worth noting, you mentioned Cousins. He's certainly interesting that game in Dallas. It potentially could be a shootout at Washington versus Dallas. 
Uh, I think I saw five of his licks. All the linemen basically are uh, did not practice today. Maybe there's mm-hmm. some rest involved there, but some potentially beat up bodies there uh, up front. Uh, Wentz is he is he our favorite quarterback? If uh, if money wasn't a thing, Dalton, like where would you go? And Breeze, of course, always in play, but you like to see Thomas out there. But um, it's I, I don't think Brady's my guy. I say money's not a thing at all. Where are you ranking as far as your top quarterback? I did still put Brady number one, but I could be talked out of that. I have Wentz number two and Cousins number three. Cousins actually averaged more than 400 passing yards per game last year against the Cowboys. So I like all of those options. But uh, Wentz, the one concern there is that they could just get out to such a – they might pitch a shutout defensively against my 49ers. So slight concern there. But Brady, Wentz, Cousins, I love all those. I I think that could be a a, real shootout in Washington. I believe that's the highest over-under at 50.5 points. So – Love, love Cousins this week. Even if he spreads it around, it doesn't result always in a, you know, Doxons this week's kind of hot guy. And he's still cheap in DFS. Uh, Reed looked healthy last week and he's still moderately priced. So I, I wouldn't mind, a, you know, a connection with, with Cousins and Reed. But, um, but yeah, all those guys are pretty close on my board. They're talking about hot hand at receiver, yeah. which I've never heard before. We're talking right. about, uh, Scott, what are your thoughts as far as the receivers there in Washington? It feels like you really can't trust anybody, obviously, what's going on with Pryor and Doxon working his way in there and who has the hot hand. And, I mean, the safest thing, safest thing is it seems to just play Cousins by himself and just, you know, he, he should be perfectly fine. You get access to everybody. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm just relieved to know that Terrell Pryor has hands. I mean, I thought maybe he had had hand removal surgery and we didn't know about it. Doesn't even get on the field in the first half of that Monday game. And, you know, Doxson, first round pick, kind of a washout rookie year, but he fits the profile. He's got the ideal size. I mean, he certainly looks. I always feel like first round picks should at least when they play, you should be able to identify them easily. Like I remember Tavon Austin never looked like the ninth or 10th pick in the draft. You know, he just never looked dynamic to me. At least Doxon has some of that yeah. thing. I know it's an anecdotal thing, but uh, I got to throw a little bit of cold water on Wentz. I don't do this a lot with weather because usually it's just wind, but there may be real torrential rain in that game on Sunday. Right now, the chance of precipitation is a hundred percent. And I know rain can be, you know, kind of a red herring, you know, I mean, maybe it just rains before the game. Maybe the defender slips. I mean, you know, maybe just keep an eye on that. The guy I wasn't sure about, I, I do like docks and cheap. I wouldn't touch prior. I think he's dropping on droppable seasonal too. Cause you're going to need that prove it week before you ever trust prior again. The guy I could not decide on is Cam Newton because Tamp- Tampa Bay's secondary is just giving it away, but Cam's kind of in a funk right now. And I'm not a big Benjamin guy and I'm not a big Funchess guy. And, Obviously, Olsen's still out of the mix. You know, Dixon had that one, you know, game of your life in Detroit, but he really hasn't been anything great. They throw a ton of passes to McCaffrey, but not really making special plays. He's just been a, a cheap PPR volume guy. Tampa Bay, I feel like there's something to be had there. And, I, I, you know, because I couldn't figure out a receiver to match up Cam with, and he doesn't run as much as he used to, I thought, well, maybe I just don't want to pay Cam. I mean, he's still mid-30s, so it's not like he's a giveaway price. How are you guys handling Cam Newton against this great matchup that is Tampa Bay? It, I mean, certainly not for cash games, but he definitely has the upside and he's running more of late and he, you know, few quarterbacks have the ability to score two touchdowns, a t- touchdowns on a given week. And like you said, the secondary is atrocious as well. And I'm not really a Funches guy per se. I think Benjamin is just, he seems to disappoint more times than not. And actually Funches have been getting more looks in the last month or so, but uh, it's, I mean, I'd probably play Cam by himself or maybe even play Cam with McCaffrey. You know, McCaffrey can totally catch a touchdown. He's not running anything. Uh, but it's just funny you mentioned Terrell Pryor. Like, just think he could still, he could be the quarterback for the Browns right now. Like he would, <laughs> like he would be they would be in and out and like uh, several times. And, you know, kind of rotating through those guys. Well, plus uh, Hugh Ch- Jackson would play him. I mean, Hugh Jackson apparently wants to use a different quarterback every week. I wish they would pick a lane. I think Kessler actually has some potential, and you know, he was a third round pick. He 
his indexed quarterback rating last year was 104, which means he was better than the average quarterback. I think they maybe got misled by the fact that they lost all their games. If they want to develop Kaiser, fine, let him play. Don't, don't yank him. Don't jerk him in the middle of a game. What does that accomplish? I mean, pick a lane, Hugh Jackson, pick a lane, Cleveland Browns. I realize it may not be Hugh Jackson making the call. It may be, you know, the GM or ownership or something, but I wish Cleveland would at least have a plan because I feel like they don't have a plan right now. The lane they picked, it was sucking. I guess that's the lane they did. They definitely picked that lane. And what was it Parcells who said, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. What if you have three quarterbacks? How many quarterbacks do you have? I, I don't know, but uh, how mad is London at us? I mean, we sent Adrian Peterson over there twice, and now we're sending the Cleveland Browns. I mean, we're going to be another war between the U.S. and England. I shouldn't joke about that, but I mean, I feel like we're trying to tick off London somehow. Uh, Dalton, chime in here. What are your thoughts as far as Cam? Yeah, first of all, the Browns have passed on what Wentz and Deshaun Watson in back-to-back <laughs> years in the drafts, and uh, Kessler, I believe, had the second fewest uh, percentage of off-target throws last year. He's He's kind of competent, but I do get the point of you, you want to see what you have in Kaiser because obviously they're not playing this year. Um, who's Oh, Cam. Yeah, I have him as my number eight quarterback this week in seasonal, and it looks like he's tied for the third highest priced in Yahoo DFS. So I would I would go lower, and uh, Dak is a little bit cheaper even, and, and go Cousins or Andy Dalton. But I see the, the, you know, the, the path to a big game because of Tampa Bay's uh, defense, but I don't see the reason to take the risk at his price. Chime in here. Give us your hot take that we teased earlier. Oh, Joe Mixon remains cheap, which I get it because he hasn't really done it. I, I don't believe he received a single carry in the second half last week after gashing uh, Pittsburgh's beatable run defense for 6.9 yards per, per carry. He's caught all 14 of his targets this year. Uh, I know for a guy who had off-the-field off concerns entering the draft, he shouldn't be you know chirping this week. I get that. But he's clearly the team's best running back. Uh, the, the, they're 10-point favorites. The offensive line isn't great, to, to put it mildly, obviously, in Cincinnati. But uh, the, the Colts have allowed the second most fantasy points to opposing running back. So I just think the setup is there. Uh, this is a week he could go crazy. I said it last week. And, again, the, the touches were modest. But at $18, I just I, I feel like he's going to be in pretty much – I'm going to have 100% exposure of him, I'm, I'm afraid. Uh, it, it's a risk because, again, he hasn't put together that big game. But if he's ever going to do it, it it's going to be now. Yeah, it feels like a risk. And also, Marvin Lewis, like, didn't appreciate, like, I guess he said in social media, something effect, like, why am I not getting, the, I mean, I, he's right. Like, why, why did I not get the ball on the second half? Uh, and maybe Lewis is going to punish him. I don't know. And, he, and Lewis' insistence on on, uh, on on starting Jeremy on Jeremy Hill, each half, this doesn't make any sense. Like, I want to put out the worst possible, like, why would you want to do that? I don't understand why you're doing that. But, all right. If you have any thoughts on that, by all means, Scott, chime in there. Uh, but uh, as well, give us your hot take. Yeah, the Bengals are two and four, and, and Lewis might be coaching for his job. Um, you know, with, obviously they've they've had some playoff runs, but they they've made the playoffs and not won playoff games. Why aren't you playing your best players? It's not Jeremy Hill. You do not have to be a football scout to realize that Mixon is better than Hill, and really is the best running back here. And he was successful last week. It's not like he was wasn't playing poorly. He was playing poorly or anything like that, but. Play your best players, Bengals. My hot take is Matt Moore, and I know that tonight's game is a tough draw. Baltimore might be the the biggest fantasy quicksand right now. Other than Justin Tucker, this offense is just hot garbage. But I think Moore – look, maybe Miami doesn't feel this way, so it's a moot point. I think Moore is Miami's best quarterback. Although Cutler did play well before he injured his ribs last week. I mean, Moore brought them back. Had a really good connection with Kenny Stills, which he had last year. Stills at the nine touchdowns. Uh, Stills already is four this year, two last week, both of them with more. I'm going to be watching tonight's game and, and hoping, and I think there's a good chance that Moore plays well enough that he at least, you know, the, the 
Miami can say, well, we have to wait till Cutler's 100%. We don't want to rush him back. I think Moore is going to play well enough to keep this job, and you're really going to want him next week against Oakland. Yeah, as somebody that grew up in South Florida, I, I, you know, I have a bunch of friends that I'm in a, a, a chat. That they talk, oh, Matt Moore, get Moore in there. Like, Cutler is like a downgrade, absolutely a downgrade. I, agree, I completely agree with you. I think Moore is a better quarterback. I'm actually less apt to roll out the Baltimore defense with Moore out there because Cutler – I put up, put up more shares. Still might get some shares just because, you know, this Miami Dolphins is pretty putrid. And then, you know, it's Thursday night game. It's the road team. And, you know, it's always a disaster. Not always, but it tends to be a disaster. Uh, as far as my hot take, uh, I struggle to come up with one because the, the chat always gives us a hard time, gives me a hard time because my hot take is always like something that's like lukewarm at best. But Mike Evans, is that a hot take? Sure. Why not? He's always a GPP play. Uh, fifth most air yards among wide receivers. Absolute target monster in that team. Uh, he's yet to have 100 yards this year. I, I'm going to predict over 100 yards and a score. He's going to get the box or why not? Uh, nice matchup there, at least according to the wide receiver quarterback matchup. Uh, he's facing Daryl Worley. According to Pro, Pro Football Focus, Daryl Worley is 92nd at 112 eligible quarterbacks. That seems like a positive matchup for me. And it's one of those things where this wasn't me that said this years ago, but somebody said it about Mike Evans. Like whenever he's going to be low owned, you can project he's going to be low owned, always play him in tournaments when everything's going to be heavily owned. Probably don't play him because he's just really, really hard to predict and kind of wonky. But sure, uh, Mike Evans seems a little bit off the board for me. Dalton, you on board with Mike Evans as a tournament play? Uh, I am. First of all, Matt Moore, I totally agree with you guys. A, a clear upgrade over Jay Cutler. He threw for more yards and, and a half last week in relief than, than Cutler averaged per game this season. And eight touchdowns uh, last year in just four games. He's definitely an upgrade. Mike Evans. He's actually quietly been one of the best real-life receivers. If you look, I mean, he's got a touchdown against Janoris Jenkins, against Patrick Peterson last week. In Buffalo, they entered allowing an NFL-O two touchdowns. He also uh, hit pay dirt again. So the targets are going to be there. Um, and, and I believe uh, Carolina, even though, yeah, their defense is, uh, you know, the YPA is kind of low, but pass rating above 100, uh, 10 to 1 TD to, to INT ratio. So their secondary is burnable. So I'm with you with Mike Evans. Uh, the dude is just uh, simply him and like Chris Hogan are like the best bets to, to score a touchdown in a given week at the wide receiver position. Remember too, Carolina's rushing defense has been really good this year. And it sounds like Luke Kuechly's is going to be back. So I think Tampa Bay may have to throw more than they want to anyway. Yeah. Uh, $10 ballers. This is great because you guys both picked a receiver from the same team that like nobody wants any receivers on, which is amazing. Uh, Scott, you go first. Yeah, Deontay Thompson, you know, we, we talk about receivers changing teams and, and how dangerous that can be. It hasn't worked out for Pryor. It hasn't worked out for Jeffrey. And it can be really more, even more dicey in season. And yet Deontay Thompson goes to Buffalo. He's there for like 27 minutes, gets into the huddle, and all of a sudden he throws up a 100-yard game, catches all four of his targets. And I didn't realize this until after the game, hat tip to Evan Silva. I didn't realize that Tyrod Taylor – and Deontay Thompson actually have history going back to the Ravens. They knew each other well in Baltimore. They were buried in the depth chart, running reps together. So I guess that's one of the reasons why Taylor already had some rapport with Thompson. So, uh, you know, look, uh, Thompson's a, a big play guy. He's a deeper threat. Th those are going to be boom or bust plays. I mean, he could easily throw up a bagel this week or, or something really low. But I'm just so frustrated with Zay Jones. Uh, Jordan Matthews, I think, is still playing with some sort of apparatus on his hand or you know, that makes me nervous. Um, you know, Nick O'Leary's okay, but, you know, he's nothing special. Charles Clay's still out. Thompson, man, I, it's a six-week buy, $10. He's still the stone minimum. And uh, it seems like he's got some JV connection going with Taylor. I think that continues this week. 
Yeah, my bad. I, I somehow read the wrong thing. And, no, it's not two guys on the same team. But uh, touch on the show. Not, not, not. <laughs> it's not Zay Jones. Spoiler alert. Uh, since we're here talking about Buffalo, what about McCoy at twenty nine dollars? He seems a little bit too cheap as well. And you know, obviously the volume's there and the matchup's perfectly perfectly fine. And there's nobody else to do anything. So McCoy, we can roll him out again, right? Yeah, perhaps. I, I think Taylor's interesting too. Tends to play better at home. Uh, I, I think both of those guys are reasonable plays. Uh, it's it's not it, it's strange too because you think Buffalo. I mean, they've been such an ordinary team all year. It's not like this has been a team to attack. Although everybody had McCoy last week because we just knew you know his touchdowns were going to progress at some point. I, I think McCoy's viable. I think it's a reasonable price. Who do you have, Reed Elton? I actually have McCoy. By the way, number four on my running back board this week. I, I really like him. Uh, the volume is just so undeniable. I had Marquise Goodwin. Uh, you are right. He used to be on Buffalo. So, but he's now on. Uh, the 49ers, 11 targets a couple weeks back. Eight, first, first time with C.J. Beathard, eight targets, 80 yards last week. He's basically uh, on the field every single snap. Uh, he has sprinter speed. He was an Olympian. Uh, so all it would take is just one big home run here at $11. But even then, he's getting the, the target share as well. Uh, the game script should call for them what's the biggest spread of the week. They're 13-point dogs. Going to be having to play from behind. The one area of weakness in the Eagles is their secondary, those outside cornerbacks. Um, I do uh, take a little bit of a pause here with Pianowski pointing out that the weather might be bad, so I'll definitely be checking that. But uh, he's a guy that's way under the radar. Um, no one wants a 49er, uh, you know, especially a, a number two wide receiver. Uh, hasn't scored a touchdown yet this year, but quietly seeing the volume. And again, would, just, would take just one big play on a team that's going to probably having to throw the ball quite frequently in the second half. All right, so my guy talked about him earlier, Juju Smith-Schuster. No, he's not exactly $14. He's not a $10 baller. He's a $14 baller, which is still pretty reasonable. Uh, you know, Martavis Bryant, he's expected to be active, inactive for this game. So the usage should go up for Smith-Schuster. The snaps should go up for Smith-Schuster. Uh, seven red zone targets on this season. Good pedigree. It's not just some guy coming out of nowhere. Second-round pick out of USC. Uh, this was another deal where the quarterback – the quarterback super matchup, uh, Nevin Lawson, he's projected lineup against the Paramount. He's a 95th out of 112 – Corey did a PFF grades and look, uh, he lost his bike, man. He lost his bike. <laughs> I don't know what that means. That was a fun story. And now I think he finds it. it's just a fun name, Scott. We have, I mean, are you guys didn't, uh, are you guys on board with Juju this week or what? Well, forget losing his bike. It sounds like he lost Le'Veon Bell last week. You know, I mean, I hate to see that. He scores a touchdown. He wants to celebrate with Bell. Bell, you know, I've gone up with a great celebration. I may, maybe the home run, um, contest that the Eagles did earlier in the season is still the gold standard but isn't it nice to see these players have fun again yeah then, you know Smith Schuster remember he was getting more snaps than Brian even when Bryant wasn't in the doghouse so, so Pittsburgh obviously likes this kid I think he's the youngest player in the league or at least the youngest wide receiver so it's impressive that he's done this at such a tender age I think he's going to be a really good player in a couple of years and he's a viable option right now and as you said you would think Slay would be following Antonio Brown around I think the matchup will be really good for Schuster Sunday night all right, we got a few minutes before you step aside and get out of here. Let's knock out a few more uh, things. So right before we went on air, I saw a note. Well, we're not sure about Golden Tate. He's questionable right now. It seems like on the, the more on the doubtful side of questionable if he's going to go this week. Again, recording this on Thursday. If he doesn't go, like Marvin Jones, is he becoming interesting for you, Dalton Dodon? And uh, the other part of it is uh, the OC, Jim Pop Cooter, was talking about Theo Riddick and Abdullah being on the field at the same time. And anytime you can work Jim Bob Cooter into the conversation, got to throw it out there. Dalton, what's your take as far as let's just pretend that, that that Tate is out? Yeah, I am treating it like that as of now. Um, Riddick, it's weird how he kind of disappeared uh, through through stretches of this season. So I, I I think they should try that, put him in the slot, get him lined up on linebackers. That that would definitely make him 
interesting. But uh, Marvin Jones coming off 14 targets last week. Uh, I still can't get out of my head how big of a game he had. What was it, week two in Lambeau last year? I thought he was just going to be a star and then totally disappeared over the second half of the year. But he's, he looks healthy, and if there's no Golden Tate, even in a tough matchup, uh, Pittsburgh should be able to put up some points here. So uh, Detroit, I know they're going to try their, – their game plan is going to be Abdullah and, and uh, the area of weakness is Pittsburgh's uh, front seven, at least against the run. And, and Stafford has just not put up the numbers this year. But Jones is going gonna, gonna to see 10, 12, maybe 15 targets. So uh, I believe I put him in my optimal DFS lineup for Yahoo because he's what? He's $15. So, yeah, just looking at the opportunity without Tate, I like him this week. What are your thoughts there, Scott? You know, the price is right, but I don't know that Jones, I, I wish he were, you know, maybe more of a red zone factor. I don't feel like he's a deep enough threat that you're thinking he's going to pop a couple of long touchdowns over the course of the season. And he's not a good enough goal line guy or red zone guy that you feel confident he's going to score eight to 10 touchdowns. I just, he's just kind of stuck in the middle for me. And the only reason I give him pause is because I don't think Tate's going to play. I think this is a case where we can leverage the uncertainty with Tate, but I feel it's pretty, I feel pretty confident that Tate isn't going to go or if he does, he'll be just about a, a complete decoy. So I, I like taking advantage of situations like that where people may be hesitant to maybe step into the pool. But Joe, and look, I own Jones in, in a league that Dalton and I are in together, the Stopel Offer him League. I really need Jones to be good. I almost need him to be a receiver too for me. But even at $15, I think I'm going to pass on him. The funny thing is, you know, his sophomore year in the league, he scored 10 touchdowns on right. just eight targets with Cincinnati. So it looked like he was going to be a red zone guy, but you're right. It just hasn't materialized since. Four against the Jets, I think, in that season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He seems wildly inconsistent, but still, I think he's in play for tournaments if nothing else. Uh, you know, we have uh, Marshall Lynch not playing this week. DeAndre Washington, Jalen Prichard, or neither one. I mean, it feels like it's just going to be a split and the matchup's, the matchup's not particularly great. And neither one of them are like 10 bucks. So Dalton, like, are we on either one of these guys? For me, I'm just probably going to ignore it. I'm going to ignore it as well. Uh, Richard, if I had to pick one of the two, he's, he's seen a few more snaps and he, he just a, seems like a little bit more of an explosive player, but I think they're going to ultimately cancel each other out. The other thing is Oakland simply has not uh, run blocked as well as we all expected entering the year. That offensive line hasn't lived up to expectations. So I could see them not the greatest game script, possibly playing from behind and these two forming a, a near even time timeshare. All right, we've given uh, no thoughts to tight ends. I don't think one has been mentioned throughout the entire show. Scott, uh, give us a, an overlook here as far as the position. Well, I did mention Tyler Croft, but uh, another yeah. guy I like a lot, if you can get in on the early slate Sunday, is um, Kyle Rudolph. Cleveland is just giving it away at tight end, and we don't know what Diggs' status will be. If he plays, he may not be 100%. I, I'd be very surprised if Kyle Rudolph doesn't score a touchdown this week. Jordan Reed seems pretty reasonable at 16 bucks. ASJ, I don't hate at $17. I mean, I, I really like Hunter Henry, but 22 seems a little bit ambitious as far as the asking price. Kelsey's pretty fair at 24 versus Denver. That's probably the best way to get to them. Uh, you have any thoughts there, Dalton, as far as tight ends? Do you have like a, a cheapie off the board or like there's nobody like under 15 I really feel great about? Totally agree with Tyler, Tyler Croft, but um, if you want to go real, real ugly and cheap, Nick O'Leary, I mean, he's the number one guy there. They don't have many options there in Buffalo. He's just $10. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't think Oakland exactly shuts down the, the, the tight ends, but, but Jordan Reed is my guy. I mean, you hate to chase last week's stats, but the price is not caught up and he looked healthier coming off their buy. So, I mean, Reed talent wise, if he is healthy, he's basically, uh, you know, right behind Gronkowski. So if he is back to health, and at just $16 and what projects is the highest over-under of the week, I, I like Reed the best. And last year, remember, I mean, even though Reed was the function of their offense, the primary guy, Crowder was having a good season, and Deshaun Jackson was in the mix. I mean, now 
if Reed's healthy, they're gonna, I, I just feel like the 10 to 12, 13 targets are, are already locked in because they have nobody else who's really playing that well right now. I mean, Thompson is, how many, how many times can you really use him? I feel like if Reed's, I'm not a big Reed guy for seasonal because I always expect him to get hurt, but if he's on the field, I, I feel like his, his over under for touchdowns is like one. I feel like, didn't he get hurt last year in this matchup on Thanksgiving? I feel like that, I think it was against Dallas on Thanksgiving, but. I was sleeping on the couch. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the turkey will do that to you. One more for the road. Uh, I hate playing this player. Uh, the price is up, but the matchup is like, you can't design a better matchup for him. Scott, uh, LeGarrette Blunt, $23. Like, you know, $23 seems a great, he's the same price as Ingram, right, basically? Uh, it's just silly, but you know, if ever it doesn't catch the ball, that, that, that guy is immune to catch the ball, obviously, which is, uh, he's caught a touchdown earlier this season, but whatever, that was an anomaly. If you're ever going to play him, this seems like the matchup to do it. What are your thoughts? You know, it's, you know how they price everything that ends in a, you know, 1999 is that $20. Yeah. That's kind of where I was on Ingram, where if they priced him at 19 bucks or 18 bucks, I think I, I I'm sorry with, uh, with Blunt, if he was under 20, I think I would have talked myself into him. But once I saw the two, I said, you know what? And then actually, you make a great point. I mean, it's the same price as Ingram. I, I just feel like Blunt doesn't have enough floor for me to pay like he's a sure thing. Plus, you know, maybe Smallwood gets some of that. They also have a quarterback who runs. He can take some of the production off. They have a bunch of ways to get to the end zone. This isn't like the Patriots where it was, as soon as they got inside the five, you just knew Blunt was going to get opportunities. I don't think the Eagles treat Blunt that way. He, he's too expectantly priced for me, and I don't think he has enough upside. He won't catch the ball, as you said. I think Smallwood gets a decent share of the garbage time work here. Maybe even Clement, who had a couple of key runs on Monday. I think he's a. I think Blunt is a trap. Yeah, he's probably not going to get loose for a big one, but he's certainly going to fall into the end zone twice. That's kind of what you're hoping for. Uh, Dalton, uh, tell the people where they can find you on the interwebs. Uh, first of all, Blunt, I, I agree. The price is just is just too high. I, I get that the uh, the Niners have allowed the most fantasy points to opposing backs by far, three more points than the next, but. And he might fall into 20 touches because of the playing with the lead in the second half. But that price is just expecting that. He only has one rushing touchdown on the season after leading the NFL in them last year, including 11 from the one-yard line, which is a <laughs> crazy stat. But anyway, um, follow me on Twitter, at Dalton Veldon. And, um, yeah, good luck to everyone in Week 8. How about yourself, Scott? Where are the people going to find you? Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. Uh, if you pick one of the right 18 hours a day, you probably find me. All right, play Yahoo DFS this week, their feature contest in the lobby. $10 to jump in there. 90K is the total prize pool. If you bank it, it's the 90K baller. If you bank it, you get to $10,000. Turn 10 bucks into 10K. That is good times. That's it. That's the show. Enjoy week eight. Week eight, he's Scott. He's Dalton. I'm Dean. Thanks for watching. Holler. Is that a bear? <laughs>